are listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. You will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival sermons from great preachers of the past. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Galatians chapter 1, verse 6. I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. For do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. And now let us bow our heads for prayer. And our Heavenly Father, I have a, a big task before me. I'd like to speak this morning on the old-time religion, and I'd like to preach the subject so thoroughly that everybody here could completely understand it and know what we mean when we say old-time religion. And then, dear Lord, I'm, I'm hindered because of time. Time will not be, permit me to say all I'd like to say. And so I'll have to condense my remarks and speak possible about one point of old-time religion. I pray today the Holy Spirit would lead me and guide me. When our people leave the service today and they ever hear the expression, old-time religion, I pray they'll recall what it means. In Jesus' name, amen. I suppose I could have shared with you today many themes and a selection of scriptures from the Bible. I thought about that Old Testament passage where it said, Remove not the old landmarks. I thought I'd like to preach on that subject, it being old-fashioned Sunday. We have these Sundays here once a year. We dress old-fashioned. Try to sing the old songs. By the way, I like the old songs all the time. I haven't gotten used to the newfangled kind of singing. Johnny, get your rat trap sort of stuff. I had not got used to that yet. I'm not working on getting used to it. I like there's a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. I like how firm a foundation you saints of the Lord is laid for your faith in his excellent word. I like am I a soldier of the cross. I like a mighty fortress is our God. I like the old-fashioned songs. I am old-fashioned. All my life I've heard the expression, old-time religion. Matter of fact, we used to sing it some in the country church, and had I more time, I'd like us to sing it today. But it's, give me the old-time religion, the old-time religion. And it says it'll do when I'm dying. And it says it was good for our mothers, it was good for our fathers. It's good enough for me, give me the old-time religion, give me the old-time religion. 
And I don't know what you think about when you hear the expression old-time religion, but I jotted down the various things that come to my mind when I think about old-time religion. I won't have time to develop this, but I want to just give it to you. When I think of old-time religion, I think of simplicity. Paul said he had a concern that they may get away from the simplicity of the gospel. And he was very careful to say that when I came to you, I came not with the enticing words of men, lest the cross of Christ but it should be made of none effect. And I, I think of simplicity when I think of old-time religion. Dr. Bob Jones Sr. used to say, Truth's most becoming garments are simplicity. There's a little thing I say to preachers across America when I'm preaching. I say that good preaching is not complicating a simple matter, but good preaching is simplifying a complicated matter. And the more simple you can make true so that people can carry it home with them, the better preaching it is to me. When you went to hear our Lord preach, you never had to carry a dictionary with you. He was knowledge personified. He's omniscient. There is not a word that will ever find its way into our dictionary that the Lord is not acquainted with and would know how to use in any sentence he wanted to use it. But when you read the sermons of our Lord, they read like this, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Very simple statements and sentences, but profound statements. And I like simplicity. And I think of old-time religion. I think of the very opposite of a man going to the platform <clears throat> and using flowery language to the point that when the people leave the building, they don't know what the guy said. Like the old black man who went to hear a man preach, and boy, he used such language. And when he left, uh, somebody said, what did you think about the sermon? He said it was beautiful. And as soon as I get home and get my dictionary, I'm going to find out what he said. Well, when you leave here, I don't want you to have to take your dictionary with you. For two reasons. Number one, I can't speak like that, number one. Number two, if I could, I wouldn't. When I think of old-time religion, I not only think of simplicity, but I think of feeling and emotion. Now, I know, even in fundamental circles, we are very careful not to use the word feeling often, lest we should lead somebody to believe that you have to have a certain feeling to be saved. But on the other hand, you cannot separate emotion from salvation. When God forgives you and your sins are washed away and you receive a new nature, there is a good feeling. Your feelings are not the basis of your assurance. The written word is the basis of your assurance. But there is a feeling. When I think of old-time religion, I think of a tear occasionally. I don't see anything wrong with people weeping when they're happy. I don't see anything wrong with people weeping in church when they have a burden about unsaved loved ones. It troubles me that we have our priorities wrong and our values wrong in America. I read a story recently of a, of a lady, an ordinary-looking lady, who was serving time in a women's penitentiary. And the, and the people in charge said, when you walked into a room, it looked like any ordinary prisoner's room. On the table was pictures of some children teenagers, who she said were her nieces and nephews. She knitted, sewed, passed her time like any other ordinary lady in the prison. But they noticed that she had times of despondency and she would weep. 
and looked like she was so nervous she was almost uncontrollable. She was in prison because she had murdered her husband. She had stabbed him to death. And after murdering her husband, she set fire to the house to destroy her husband in the evidence. They finally, after inquiring, found out why she had these periods of depression. And this is a true story. She said, I remember after I set fire to the house that my little dog was trapped in the house. And I heard his little yelps, wanting me to come and rescue it, but the house was so far gone in the flames that I could not get to my little dog to rescue it. And when I think of that little dog burning alive in that house and yelping, and I could not get to the dog to rescue it, it depresses me. And she wept over the burning of a dog but showed absolutely no remorse or sorrow over the fact that she had murdered her husband in cold blood and burned him alive. Now, we can watch a movie on TV and we can weep. We can see some sad experience and we show emotion. When we come to church, we're afraid to weep. We're afraid to show emotion. Now, I don't think we ought to come together and sort of have a cheerleader-type atmosphere and put the people into some emotional frenzy. I don't mean that. But when I think of old-time religion... I think of a heartfelt salvation, something that's real and genuine and that moves a person emotionally. When I think of old-time religion, I think of sincerity as compared with hypocrisy. And there is so much hypocrisy in our country, and I, I don't want to judge anybody. But God knows I want to be sincere. I, that's one reason I'm a fundamental preacher, because I'm sincere. I could not be a modernist and deny the great fundamentals of the faith and be a preacher, because I'd be a dirty, low-down hypocrite to walk to a pulpit and open my Bible and deny the virgin birth or the verbal inspiration of the Bible and claim to be any kind of a preacher. I'm no preacher if I don't believe the fundamentals of the faith. I like sincerity. I mean transparency. We say what we mean, and we mean what we say. The Bible's the Word of God. There's one way to heaven. Jesus died for sinners. We say it without apology, without mincing our words, because we are sincere in what we believe. That's old-time religion to me. Then I think of old-time religion. I think of uh, Bible preaching uh, as, as contrasted with some of these little social sermonettes. I'd rather not go to church at all than to go to church on Sunday morning and hear a little social sermonette to a bunch of little Christianettes. Has no meaning to it whatsoever. I'd just rather not have it at all than to hear a fellow get up and, and say, in a way, there's a possibility that uh, maybe we all could have made some mistakes in our life. I'd like a guy to get up and look you straight in the eye and shake his finger and say, all of you are sinners and you're on your way to hell unless you're born again. Now, I know that's old-fashioned. You don't hear much of it, but I like that. I'm old-fashioned. I'm an old-fashioned, hellfire, brimstone, snorting, spitting preacher. That's what I am. God deliver me from these panty-waists called preachers. Our dear Heavenly Father. That'll make a buzzard sick. I like somebody who stands for something and is firm and sincere in what they believe. 
I like Bible preaching. Don't mince your words. If the Bible said all have sinned, you say all have sinned. And because we are sinners, we owe a penalty. And that penalty is death. And that death is the second death, the lake of fire. Hell, if you please. You die without Christ, you're going to hell. The modernistic crowd talks about those Bible thumping, hellfire, brimstone preachers. And if we're not careful, they'll make us feel embarrassed and we'll get the easing to the pulpit sort of quiet-like. And we want to be careful not to thump our Bible because they've been talking about them Bible thumpers. And so we'll be careful to get our hands in our pockets, afraid to hit the pulpit, afraid to raise our voice. Well, let them call me a Bible thumper. I'd rather be a Bible thumper than a thumb sucker, I tell you that. <laughs> that bunch of thumb-sucking nitwits who don't know salvation from a jackrabbit. Preach a social gospel akin to communism and socialism. You can have it, buddy. I don't want it. I believe in the old-time religion. And I think of Bible preaching. When I think of old-time religion, I think of using Bible terminology. I like to use the word hell in my sermons. Instead of saying, there's a place where you go if you're bad. No, say, if you're not born again, you go to hell. Where the worm never dies and the fire's not quenched. That's old-fashioned. They call it old hell, fire, and brimstone preaching. That's what it is. What's wrong with it? It's in the Bible. Jesus preached more about hell than he did about heaven. Billy Sunday said if we had more hell in the pulpit, we'd have less of it in the pews. And I agree with him. They're afraid we'll warp their child's personality or have some kind of a psychological effect on them if tell them about hell. Well, you better not tell them about rattlesnakes. You may have a psychological effect on them. They're not telling them about shotguns and poison. That may have a psychological effect on them, too. And don't tell them about heart attacks or cancer while you're at it. No, your reasoning's wrong, buddy. Tell them the dangers of dying without Christ. Tell them about it. If they die without Christ, they go to hell. Let them know it. Don't let their blood be on your hands. I think of Bible preaching. You know, I like preaching. I could sit for hours and listen to Bible preaching. Get the fellow's names who said that. We're going to have a long meeting. I could sit for hours and just hear it over and over. I like the ring of preaching. I just like a guy to say, the Bible says, the Bible says, the Bible says, the Bible says, the Bible says. Just keep pouring the Bible. I like that kind of preaching. When I think of old-time religion, I think of uh, narrowness. I don't know what you think of. When I think of an old-fashioned preacher, I think of a preacher who won't compromise. When I think of an old-fashioned preacher, I can see him standing with perspiration coming down his brow, saying, I believe in the virgin birth of Christ. And I won't move from this position when I think of old-time religion. I think of a preacher who stands with a perspiration coming down his brow and say, I believe the Bible's the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation. And I don't have any sympathy with a guy who doesn't believe the Bible's the Word of God. When I think of old-time religion, I think of that kind of a preacher. I don't think of the preacher who goes to every club in town to offer the invocation. I don't think of the preacher who goes and offers invocation every city council meeting and pulls the trigger for every turtle race in town and dedicates every post office and football stadium to me, he just doesn't deserve the term old-fashioned. When I think of an old-fashioned preacher in old-time religion, 
I think of a guy who has something beside a tater string for a backbone. That's a potato string, if you newfangled. I think of a guy who believes in something and stands for something and won't compromise, even if it means his job or his popularity. I thank God I've reached a place in this church where I don't have to worry about my job. But I must admit, I never have worried about it. There's been periods when I hoped you would fire me, and I tried to get fired. But you never tried. I think some people wanted to try, but they were afraid to. But I can walk up here on Sunday morning, I can preach as long as I want to, as loud as I want to. If I want to run, I can pick up the microphone and run down the aisle. If I want to get emotional, kick my leg out and say, whoopee, I can let her go. And I don't have a bunch of sophisticated deacons who drop their heads. Well, we better take our preacher to the doctor. He check him out, get rid of him. He's he doesn't fit. Our church is so large now that we gotta we gotta be a little more dignified. No, we can still be old fashioned. Let her rip, amen. We can sing and shout and pray. When I think about old time religion. I think about sinners being saved, never service. To me, you don't divorce that from old time religion. I'm talking about people walking down the aisle crying, saying, I want to be saved. I think of an old-fashioned preacher. I think of a preacher getting phone calls late at night. People wanting to get saved. Read last night a story out of J. Frank Norris's life. He was just preaching a sermon, and he turned and looked at the congregation and said, Mr. Shields here. A man stood and said, Mr. Shields, did you call me after midnight last Sunday night? Yes, sir. And did you tell me that you had prayed and you got a case of old-time religion? He said, yes, sir. And did you tell me you wanted to be baptized? He said, yes, sir. And did you say you want to be baptized then? He said, yes, sir. And did I tell you that the baptistry had been drained and it would take a while to fill it up again? Yes, sir. And did you say, I don't care how long it takes, I want to be baptized? Yes, sir. And did I tell you I'd baptize you even if I had to go to the river? Yes, sir. And did I come and get you and we came to the church past 1.30 in the morning and fill the baptistry? And did I baptize you past 1.30 in the morning? Yes, sir, he said. That's old-fashioned preacher to me. I read it, I thought, J. Frank, you're not the only guy that's got a story like that. When we were building this old auditorium, I was on top of it putting some... The trusses up. Heaven put the trusses on the old auditorium, and a guy came by in an old dilapidated Chevrolet. Got out and asked where uh, Brother Hudson was. And they pointed up there, and he asked to see me, and I came down. The old man looked like an angel. He said to me, I've been hearing you on the radio every day for a year or so. And I've trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior. He said, I want to be baptized. Well, I said, you come back Sunday. When I get an invitation, you come down aisle and join the church of baptism, I'll baptize you. He said, I don't want to wait till Sunday. He said, I'm an old man. I have heart trouble. I may be dead before Sunday. I want to be baptized. <clears throat> well, I said, make it Wednesday night. He said, I don't want to wait till Wednesday night. He said, I want to be baptized. I said, you mean you want to be baptized now? He said, I want to be baptized now. I said, man, we don't even have a baptistry. And we have to drive about... 12 or 15 miles to a creek to baptize. I said, uh, if you got time, I got time. And I said, I'm sweaty and dirty and hot. And the creek sounded inviting to me. <laughs> but I said, if you want to be baptized, I'll go with you. 
And I climbed on off that old building over there. And we got in this old dilapidated Chevrolet, and we drove. I said, go this way, go that way, take a right, take a left, turn in this dirt road. Went down the mountain creek, way down somewhere off of Rock Bridge Road. And nobody around, me and that old man, walked out in the middle of that creek. Me and my old overalls on, been working on the building, felt good. And we sung, shall we gather at the river, the two of us. I sung lead, and he sung tenor. <laughs> and I baptized the old man in the middle of the day. As I, he said, before you baptize me, I want to say a few words. I said, nobody listen but me, but say a few words. That man quoted every verse in the Bible about salvation. I never heard such a presentation of salvation. He gave me the clear presentation of the gospel, told me his trust in Jesus Christ and his death on the cross to get him to heaven. He assured me that he knew he was saved. And I started to say, why don't you baptize me? <laughs> but I baptized the old man. We walked out of the creek. He had a smile on his face. looked like an angel. We got back in the old Chevrolet and rattled it back up this way. He left. I never saw him again. A few years later, two nice-looking elderly ladies came to the church. Said, you don't know us, but you'll remember our brother. Said, who's your brother? He's the man that came by in the Chevrolet. Told you when we baptized You took him and baptized him. He died a few days after that. Went to heaven. I said, thank God. I got him off the building, carried the old man baptized Now, I didn't get a move in second. That may not be baptistic enough for some of you. But I got an idea heaven liked it and the old man liked it and I liked it. It's none of your business. Amen? I'm not even sure he got on that church roll. I'm not positive. I forgot to turn his name in. But they got his name up yonder. That's all that counts. Amen? Now, this is all my introduction. It's just things I want to say about old-time religion. I think about old-time. I think about narrowness. I know. You say, well, you fundamentalists are too narrow. Let me show you something. We are narrow. Any, a, a surgeon's narrow. Pilots are narrow. You get on a plane, a pilot's flying that thing along, he's got to have it at a certain speed to land it. And you say, why don't you let off on the acceleration just about 50 miles an hour? He said, no, man, it has to be going a certain miles an hour to land. Well, don't be so narrow about it. To be broad-minded, let it off 15 miles an hour. When I'm flying with a pilot, I want him to be as narrow as he can be. I don't want him to be liberal, give or take 30 or 40 miles. Amen? Give or take 10 or 15 degrees of what it is you turn the little buttons up there. When a man goes operating on me at the hospital, if he ever does, I don't want him to be liberal. I want him to be narrow. I don't just, I don't make much difference, just give or take a little. <laughs> Funny looking things in here. <laughs> this one looks bad, let's say get out. Shut up, wait a minute, back out, get out of there. Show me up. I'd rather die with cancer than have a liberal in me. <laughs> just, you just don't reach in and take any and everything and just check it. Well, just take this little bit, it won't hurt. So I leave your hat in there. It won't bother anything. But when it comes to religion, we just, you know, that's okay if he's not virgin born. And forget it. It's all right. The Bible, not the Word of God. Forget it. No, don't forget it. You are narrow and everything else. Why aren't you narrowing the most important thing in the world? Which is religion, salvation, Christianity. 
Sure, I'm narrow. I believe the Bible's the Word of God. I wouldn't move one iota. I believe Christ is virgin born. I wouldn't move one iota. I believe in salvation by grace. I wouldn't move one iota. I believe in the physical resurrection of Jesus. I wouldn't move one iota. I believe Jesus Christ is coming again to bind the devil and to reign a thousand years. I wouldn't move an iota from that. I'm narrow because I'm old-fashioned. When I think of old-time religion, I think of long sermons. I think about people who don't look at their watches. When the old-fashioned preachers preach, don't get worried. When I think of old-time religion, I think of salvation by grace through faith. And when I say religion, don't misunderstand me. I'm not speaking of religion in the common acceptance of the term. And the thinking of the average person, religion and salvation are synonymous. But nothing could be farther from the truth. A man can be ever so religious and not have salvation. Paul was as religious as you could be. He was a Pharisee of the strictest sex, but he was not a Christian. Then he met the Lord on the Damascus Road in Acts chapter 9. I've heard people say, well, it doesn't make any difference what religion you have as long as you're sincere in what you believe. That's wrong. When I think of old-time religion, I think of salvation by grace through faith. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. There are many Bible examples of men being religious and lost. Romans 10, verse 1 and following. Paul said, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of Christ. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. I'm not talking about establishing your own righteousness by your good works or by your morality or by your behavior. Paul said that is wrong. He said Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. I think of salvation by grace, through faith, and grace means the unmerited favor of God. Because God loved us. Because God didn't want anybody to go to hell. God sent His Son to this earth 2,000 years ago and laid all of our sin on Jesus Christ. And Christ died on the cross to pay our sin debt to suffer our hell. And when He died, He said, It's finished, which means teleestai, the Greek, nothing can be added to it, nothing can be taken from it. It's finished. That's enough to get any believing sinner into heaven. Salvation by grace. I love the theme. It'll be my theme until I die. If I live to be as old as I looked when I came in here at the Sunday school hour, I'll be preaching salvation by grace through faith. Thank you for listening to the Classic Sermons podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. To listen to many more powerful sermons, visit our website, preachthebible.org.